preparation for what is coming. And just as a reminder, um, so we are starting the Warrior Series, and we were asking you to pray and to prepare and to share. You can turn to the book of Numbers if you'd like to, the book of Numbers, chapter 13. Pray, prepare, and share. So be in prayer this week uh, for your extended church family, for opportunities. Uh, prepare your heart. Try, and I know this is hard. We've been talking about this at our house a lot. But try to do what you can to do the things you know are just going to make things better for you. Eat better, get better rest, exercise a little bit. I know you hear those out in the world all the time. But those simple things can help us be more focused, and we want to be focused during this time. And then continue to share. Let people know uh, how you're growing. Uh, you guys, this week, as you're reading, you'll have opportunity, if you come on Wednesday, to share there. We'll have opportunity next Sunday to do some reflection and share what you've learned. But man, don't wait till then. Like, if you read something Monday, and you're like, boy, the Lord really spoke to my heart, then send that out as a message or a Facebook or whatever. Share that stuff out, or just call somebody. I'm telling you, Michael or I, either one, we'll be floored and amazed and thrilled if you call us and say, you're not going to believe what I learned today. God is awesome. <laughs> so please, please, if you get something encouraged during this time, please feel free to share it out because we want that's one of the things we really want to do is lift each other up. So pray, prepare, and share. Today we're going to be in the book of Numbers. Uh, we're going to spend chapter 13, some different verses there, some different time. But we're going to kind of review a little bit about the spies, the 12 spies. And the main point is this, and this is really kind of one of the main ideas for the whole series, is I want us to def develop an offensive mindset, an offensive mindset through the eyes of faith. And that's the whole thing. I think for too long we have been on the defensive, and it's time for us to start seeing where we can go, where we can step out, and what we can do. But today, you're going to be challenged, and I think you'll be encouraged, too. Let's look together. Numbers 13, verses 27 through 33. This is King James here to start off with today. The Word of God says, this is Moses writing. He says, And they told him and said, We came unto the land whither thou sentest us, and surely it flows with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. The Amalekites dwelled in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. Verse 30. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight, all right? You guys know this story? 
feel like a lot of you probably do, but let me give you, catch you up just a little bit so we're all on the same page, okay? So you guys know your patriarchs. Abraham kind of starts the story. We make our way through Jacob and Esau. We get down even to Joseph, right? Joseph goes to Egypt, delivers the people for a while, but then the people of Israel come into Egypt because they need food. And over time, what does Egypt do to those people? Enslaves them, right? So over 400 years, we have a window there where Israel will become in bondage to Egypt. Then a guy by the name of Moses. Don't you love the name Moses? Moses, I love that name. He steps onto the scene. When Moses gets on the scene, uh, he's a really humble guy, right? God says, I need you to do this stuff. And he's like, no, I can't do it. God says, you're going to do this. No, I can't do it. <laughs> he he kind of rationalizes, makes his excuses. God gives him a brother that says, okay, he can be your spokesman. Moses, you're going to do this. And so we see these plagues that come forth, right? And initially, remember the magicians of the Egyptians, they can do the same magic that they feel like that Moses is doing. Moses pours some uh, into the Nile and it turns to blood. Well, the, the Egyptians do the same thing, right? Moses has the rod and it turns to a snake. Well, they can do the same thing. They do the same tricks. But then they get to, like, I think it's like the frogs or the flies somewhere in there. And all of a sudden, the Egyptian magicians are like, uh, yeah, we can't do this. <laughs> this is beyond us. And we get to what, I, what your preacher thinks is probably the worst day that the world has ever known. And that's the day of the death of the firstborn son. I'm just going to be honest with you. I don't know of all the things. There have been horrible things. Holocaust and um, huge atomic bombs, but the one day, if you measure it in a day, I can't think of any worse day than a whole country, everyone in that country, losing their firstborn child. The despair and the gravity of the grief, I just, I just can't, can't hardly process it. Well, the Israelites are there to see all of this, okay? I mean, would you kind of think that your God is for you if you've seen 10 plagues and you've seen the death of the firstborn and yet all of your firstborn were protected even though you lived in the exact same country, right? And so they start getting let out and what do they see in the daytime? A cloud, right? That follows them as a people. And what do they see at the nighttime? Fire. Everywhere they go, there's a pillar of fire in the evening and a cloud by day that, that goes along with them. And they get all the way to the Red Sea. They're going to receive or claim God's promises. They come to the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, they have a problem. Pharaoh has changed his mind, right? We just lost all this free labor. It's going to kill our economy. No, no, no. Get the soldiers. We're going after all of our chariots. We're going to take out and bring back our slave, our slave labor force. And so what does God do through Moses, right? This is amazing, right? Through Moses, God will part this body of water. And your preacher believes this with all of his soul, that this literally happened, that there was walls of water, that a wind came through, there was dry land, and somewhere between 600,000 and a million people cross the Red Sea. Would you believe in God after that? Amen. Right? I mean, that is something, right? And then as they finish, they just get through the edge of the Red Sea. The chariots have been chasing them. They're about to catch them. You can see the pictures in your mind, and the waters come back over and drown much of Pharaoh's army. And then Miriam has this incredible song as she celebrates God's victory. 
Okay? So they are making their way to claim what God has promised for them. And God has told Moses, Moses, this is the time. I'm sending you out. I want you to send out 12 guys, one from each of the tribes, and you're going to go check out the land that we have for you. So do we have any scouts around here, people that like to go and check and hike? Man, I love that, right? I think I would have liked to have been one of these guys to see what is out there. What are we going to discover? And as they go out there, they actually see a land that they claim would be flowing with milk and honey. They see so much bounty. They see a fertile land where the crops are incredible, where there's so much to be had. They actually bring back some fruit the Bible describes in chapter 13. And the two guys, you've probably seen pictures when you're in Sunday school, <laughs> they have to carry a pole. And these grapes are so, cluster of grapes are so huge that they have this on a pole and they bring back to show some evidence of the, the richness and the prosperity of this land. And so what do you think is going to happen, right? This is what we just read about. So Moses lays out the plan, and we'll see what happens. Look, if you would, in verse 1 of chapter 13. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So God sends out through Moses these 12 men to check out the land, and they come back, and they have some conflicting reports. And this is where we want to be careful at today. Sometimes even in ourself and in our church, we have conflicting reports. What, is, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to do it? Look down, if you would, in verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. And there they reported to them to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. And here is its fruit. Verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large we even saw descendants of Anak there and the Amalekites live in the Jeb and the Hittites Jebusites and Amorites live in the hill country the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan in verse 30 then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it but the men who had gone up with him said we can't attack those people they are stronger than we are. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. All right? Whoa. This place is amazing. You're not going to believe the... the decorative walls, the height of the, the powerful military, and the people. Like, everywhere we went, this is penology right here, so hear me out. Everywhere we went, everyone was like, all the guys were like six foot nine. And the ladies were like 5'11". And they, they looked like they were a whole bunch of football players walking everywhere. <laughs> so the Nephilim are a, a group of people who were very known for their size and their stature and their strength. And so, like in the Bible, you might even think of people like Goliath, and not necessarily that large as Goliath, but generally a much larger, stronger group of people. That's who they saw there. So the scouts return, they have the great reports, but there are also some roadblocks, these powerful people, these fortified cities, and even these descendants of Anak who are amazing. Now, here's what I want you to take with you this morning. If you'll grab hold of this, I think we can, you can have most of the message today. The promises of God are amazing, 
but there are definitely roadblocks in the way. My challenge to you today is where are you seeing problems when you should be seeing promises? Can anybody identify with that? Right? Where are you seeing problems at today? Well, we'd like, we can't do that. Right? We, that, that, I just wouldn't, we shouldn't be doing that. We, I don't know how we'll ever make that happen. There's no way that can come about. Remember now, in this instance, what had all these people just done? They had made their way through the Red Sea. Has God done anything miraculous in your life? In mine, it's incredible what God has done for me. And so for me to turn around and say, no, God, I just don't think you can do this is a little ridiculous, right? But that's what these guys here were doing. Today, I want to challenge you. Think with me just a little bit. Where are you seeing problems when you should be seeing promises? A lot of times in my life, I see this in witnessing. Are any of you ever fearful when you witness? Anybody a little nervous when you talk about Jesus? Am I the only one? The preacher is the only one. Everybody else is good with it, right? Um, and here's your preacher's fear. This stems with being firstborn and all that kind of stuff. I have an intense fear of failure. Anybody else afraid of failing? So, yeah, Dasha too, yeah. So here's what I do. If I don't really try that hard, then if I fail, I can say, well, that's because I didn't really give it my best. Right? Do any of you else protect yourself like that? Right? And with witnessing, I never want to close a door on someone. I'm always so afraid that what if I say the wrong thing and then the next person comes who's really gifted and good and they try to share the gospel with them and, and I blew it. So you know what sometimes I do because of that? Well, maybe I just better not say anything because I might mess it all up. The problems are what I see rather than the promise. What did Jesus said when he gave us the Great Commission? Go and baptize and teach all nations <laughs> whatsoever I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. We're not alone. When you go and witness, the promise is you're not alone, but what we see is the problem. I'm going to mess it up. I don't have enough Bible knowledge. You guys, I've been to church all my life, camp, Bible college, and seminary, and sometimes I still think I don't have enough Bible knowledge to talk to this person. <laughs> That's silly, right? But sometimes we focus on the problems. Well, Caleb speaks up. Again, there are going to be two spies that stand out, and Caleb is one of them. And this is, what does Caleb say? Do you remember? He says, we should take it. We can do it. I have confidence in God's promise and in people who have faith in his promises. And so then everybody rallies and they go and they claim, right? No. What wins? Fear. Fear wins out. All the naysayers start talking, don't they? You know any naysayers? Your preacher is a process naysayer, right? You can just ask Wendy. You give me uh, a choice between two things, and then I will give you 18 other choices. And so by the time we've talked about all the choices, we've already made a decision that we're not going to do it because it's taken so long to discover the choices, right? Uh, Wendy, where do you want to eat today? Oh, I don't care. Well, let's eat here. No, I don't want that. <laughs> let's eat here. I, don't, well, I thought you said you don't care. Well, here, how about if we do this, 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 or this? Oh, stop giving me so many choices. 
That's a common conversation, isn't it, in our house, right? Overprocessing. Do you know that overprocessing can kill a church too, right? Well, you know what we want to do? We want to have a series, and we want to really share people about having an offensive mindset for the Lord. Well, we need to talk about that for a while. We need to come up with and make sure we have the right budget. And our, who's going to take care of handling all the documentation? Who's going to make sure all the grammar is perfect? By the way, nobody did, so just be careful with that, okay? Who is going to get all the images done? Who's going to handle the messages? You know, what about the song? We're trying to match that up. You know, I don't know. If this is a really big, maybe this is too big for us. Maybe we'll try it in a year or two. Does that ever happen in a church? You can process something to death, right? Definitely, okay? And so the, the naysayers start saying, well, you know, yeah, that, I mean, milk and honey is awesome. And the fruit, you saw the fruit the guys brought back? But they said the people are so big. There's no way. How, how would you guys like to go and, like, battle uh, the Los Angeles Lakers this year? What if we put up a basketball team against the Lakers? How would we do? LeBron's like, what, 6'9", Noah, and Anthony Davis is, what, seven, almost seven foot, right? Um, Noah and I, I mean, our skills are pretty good, aren't they, Noah? I mean, I have to admit, but I just don't know that we can compete <laughs> with the likes of the Giants, right? And that's what the naysayers were saying. Yeah, it looks great, but there's just, we can't do that. And the, the walls, the cities are so well fortified. We, there's no way we can do that. And we just don't have the ability and so what wins out is fear. The bad report is contagious. Hear me out this morning. Are you bringing down someone by your lack of faith? Are you guilty of spreading a bad report? Can you hear the Lord today? We've all done it. Okay, I've done it before too. Uh, at our small church that we had in Noblesville, this lady came with Lots of ideas. She wanted to do something really good, and we just processed her to death. And we didn't do some of the things that we probably should have because fear won out. How about you? If somebody comes with you an idea, is your first thing all the reasons why it won't work, or is your first thing to say, Lord, open my eyes to know if this is something that we should accomplish? All right, let the Lord speak to your heart today. If we are going to be warriors, we need to be a people of faith that stand on God's promises and let our faith be contagious, not our fear. And hear, hear me out today. Please hear me out today. I am not asking you to fake it till you make it. Does everybody know what that means? Fake it till you make it, right? I'm not asking you to pretend anything. Please don't do that today. Don't put on some fake face and, oh, everything's okay, and eventually maybe it'll be okay. Your preacher is not asking you to do that at all. I'm saying be a people of faith. Know the Lord's direction. Know his will. Keep in step with his Holy Spirit. When he says go, let's go. And when he says stand, let's stand, okay? That's what I'm talking about. Not putting on some sort of pretend. But I am asking us all to step out in faith. Briefly, let's look at the consequences of acting in fear. Look over in chapter 14 of Numbers. What are the consequences when we act in fear rather than in faith? Well, that night, all the members of the community raised their voices and they wept aloud. Verse 2, all the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron and the whole assembly and said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? <laughs> Does the Lord ever do that to you? 
Does he ever prompt you to do something and then either your flesh or the devil brings up fears like this? Right? Well, things were better back there. Yeah. What do they know in Egypt? <laughs> this is how the devil works in our mind, right? I see it in the jail all the time. In Egypt was slavery. In Egypt was bondage. In Egypt was simple rations of food. But in my head, if I'm an Israelite, in Egypt at least I knew what my life would be and I would not be necessarily slaughtered. I might be beaten, but I wouldn't be slaughtered. But oh, where I'm at now, what what might happen? And again, remember, these guys have all been through the plagues. They've seen God move. They've been through the Red Sea. They've seen the fire at night and the cloud by day. They've seen all these amazing things. And yet, what are they saying? Let's go back to Egypt. God ever do that and challenge your heart about and convict you about that? And when the devil's tempting you to say, why don't you go back the way things were? This life of faith, it is too risky. <laughs> it is too unstable. What if it doesn't work out? That's fear. And that is how it works out. It got so strong there in the camp. The Bible says in verse 1, chapter 14, that there was crying and weeping. And then all this complaining. We should never have started down this road. Only bad things can come from this. And here we are. Look at this today. I hope this will be something can stick in your mind. Fear, when it is left unchecked, can destroy a soul, a family, a church, and even a nation. Can you hear the Lord speak today? You guys, I love our country. We have a great country. We praise the Lord, right? The freedoms that we have after being in different places, even more now, I'm like, wow. The prosperity that we have, it's amazing. But I don't want our country do, to be destroyed because of our fear. Work your way back in your own family, right? Well, I, maybe I should have been more bold with my kids or my wife and I should have stood up when the Lord gave me faith I should have taken that stand but instead I cowered because I just I was afraid it can hurt your family our church right you guys God is wanting to do he is doing not wanting to do God is doing some really amazing things in our church but we can back away and say well we just don't have the people we don't have the money we don't have the time we can make all kinds of excuses can't we right fear if it's left unchecked it will destroy those things and Primarily, where we start at today is your soul. Don't let fear win out. And that's what the Lord is trying to challenge us with today. We need godly people to help us keep encouraged. Who will stand up for us? So look at going against the grain here in verse 6. So Joshua, you guys have heard of him, I believe, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, they tore their clothes. And they said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, grab hold of that, he will lead us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord. Do not be afraid of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Man, <laughs> do you wish you had some guys like that? Woo, that would be good, right? When they hear this, the people are crying, complaining. Oh, I wish we were back in Egypt. Joshua and Caleb are so moved with what they know is God's will that they grieve by tearing their clothes. What are you doing? God has got great plans for us. 
We serve the Lord. We cross the Red Sea. If he would have us do it, there's nothing we, we cannot do. <laughs> wow, to have people like that, right, in your life? Do you have someone like that in your life? I hope that you do. I hope you have some people that were like, when you're like in the complaining, grumpy, whining mode, that they come and they shake you. <laughs> Don't you remember what God did for you? Don't you know how he saved you, how he delivered you? Don't you know what he has in store for you? Or have you lost your mind? Step up. Man, I kind of like, hey, if Joshua and Caleb were here, I'd be like, I'm ready, let's go. We can take on the Lakers, Noah. We can beat them. <laughs> right? Yes. We need people like that. And so is that what everybody did then? Everybody said, all right, we will do this. We were sorry. Now, look down, if you would, there in verse 10. But the whole assembly talked about what? <laughs> Whoa, that didn't really end well, did it? That was not the direction we were headed. Like, I can just hear those guys, and they're so passionate, and they're like, we can do this. And it's like, it's one of those moments, like in a movie, where you're expecting everything to turn, and it's all going to be this great, incredible thing. And instead of that, what happens is the people are like, uh, you guys are lost your mind. Maybe we should get rid of Joshua. Maybe we should get rid of Caleb. All right, hear me out this morning. Just because you are stepping out in faith doesn't mean the majority of people will follow you. Hello? Just because you're doing the right thing doesn't mean that everybody else is just going to snap in line. They may try to stone you. Hopefully not literally, but in our time and day. Some people will stone you with criticism or they'll try to undercut you in your job or in your neighborhood or they will try to, what are you talking about? This is, you're ridiculous. And so just understand that even when you're doing right doesn't mean that everybody's going to come in line. You may be completely confident in God's plan, but that does not mean everyone else is. And sometimes when you take a stance of faith, sometimes you take it alone, okay? Now here today, we want to encourage each other that we don't want you to take it alone. If you've got a step of faith, the Lord is speaking clearly to you. We want to come alongside you and encourage you and lift you up. Now, let's look at this. This is two ways, but look at how God honors his word down in verse 20. The Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you ask, speaking to Moses. Nevertheless, verse 21, as surely as I live and as surely as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of those who saw my glory and the signs I performed in Egypt and in the wilderness but who disobeyed me and tested me 10 times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to their ancestors. No one who has treated me with contempt will ever see it. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Now, we skipped over a big section here, but if you look at it just briefly, what you will find out, God was so angry with his people and their fear and their lack of faith, he told Moses, you know what? I will wipe them out and we'll start over. <laughs> Read the passage. And Moses is like, no, Lord, you can't do that. Then all the nations would think that, you know, that you aren't the true God. They would see that you've kind of failed with your people. You need to deliver your people. Moses actually stood up for his people. I know many times he was ready to kill them too. <laughs> but in this instance, he steps up for them. And so God says that he will and he has forgiven them. And yet, even with forgiveness, there are still consequences. And that's what I want you to see today. Hear me out today. The Lord is forgiving. The Lord is loving. The Lord is gracious. The Lord takes great messes and he makes them into beautiful things, right? Praise the Lord. But there are consequences for our sins. 
These people here, you're going to see in just a little bit, they have a huge change of heart, and it's amazing to see God change their heart, but they don't get to be part of going into the promised land. As a matter of fact, if you read the story all the way through, guess who else doesn't even get to go in the promised land? Moses, right? Disobedience, rebellion, sin, it has its consequences. That's how it works. God always honors his word. So there are definitely going to be consequences. Briefly this morning, sometimes we don't have because we don't ask. James chapter 4, verse 2, part B. James says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you can spend it upon your pleasures. Now let's look back in verse 31 of Numbers there. The Lord speaks and says, as for your children that you said would be taken as plunder, I will bring them into enjoy the land you have rejected. <laughs> Don't you love that? Just briefly, hear what's going on there? The people are whining and complaining. Oh boy, God, our children are going to be plunder. Why didn't you let us stay in Egypt? And God says, because of your lack of faith, you know what's going to happen? Those children are going to see the promised land, but you're not, right? Keep going there, verse uh, 33. Excuse me, verse 32. But as for you, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. Briefly here, just everybody hear this out, especially with all the kids in here today, right? Our kids will suffer because of our sins. There's consequences to that, okay? Not that God is taking our sins and punishing our kids for our sins, but there are consequences to our sins that have a ramification and there are a ripple through all of our kids. All the more reason. How many of us love our children we have here, right? Oh, man, the most precious thing we have, right? So all the more motivation for us to please the Lord, to step in faith. Verse 34, for 40 years... One year for each of the 40 days you explored the land, you will suffer for your sins, and you will know what it is like to have me against you. I, the Lord, have spoken. I will surely do these things to this whole wicked community, which has banded together against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness. Here they will die. I know this is not the most positive thing here, but this is the truth. There is consequences, and God honors his word. Can I say this just as clear as I can say this today, right? Okay. God has promised eternal life for those who repent of their sins and trust in Jesus. And God has promised eternal death for those who reject the gift of his son. That is not penology. That is the word of God. And just as he honored his word right here, he still honors his word today. All the more reason for us to live in faith and not to step out in fear. All right. Here's where I think it starts to get interesting uh, let's look at fighting in the flesh. Skip down just a little bit there if you would, Diane. Fighting in the flesh. Verse 39, when Moses reported this to all the Israelites, they mourned bitterly, which is actually an awesome thing that they did that. Verse 40, early the next morning, they set out for the highest point in the hill country, saying, now we are ready to go up to the land the Lord has promised. Surely we have sinned. God got their attention, right? Did you see that? They mourned bitterly. They repented. God, we are so sorry. Now they are ready to fight. Now they will do it. But now is not God's time. Ooh, hear me out. This is so tricky. This is so hard. And as a Christian, a group of body of believers, we need to understand this so we move in the right direction. They recognize their sin, but they compound the problem by seeking to accomplish their agenda in spite of God's word and without his presence. 
God says, yes, I'm going to go with you. And Caleb and Joshua said, yes, we're going to go. And then everybody else said, no, 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 we can't do that. And then God said, because of this, you're going to suffer, and I will not be with you for 40 years. Well, what happened now is they're like, oh, we're so sorry. We should never have done that. And so they repented. And now what is the, the cry of the people? Let's go. Let's do what we were supposed to do. But it is too late. They've already missed the window of God's opportunity. Wow. You would think that, oh, I repented. Now I need to go right away and do what I was supposed to do, right? This is why we have to keep in step with God's spirit. We must learn to follow and fight in the power of God's spirit. And again, witnessing is a great example of this, right? Some of you have heard this before, but I had a friend of mine down from southern Illinois, and we went up to John Piper, one of his conferences up there in Minnesota in February one year. It's like four degrees. It was freezing. <laughs> and we were up there, and my friend was so moved, trying to do what God wanted. He was like, I am going to witness to someone. I'm going to do it. And so we went in one of the little malls there and sat down in this kind of Panera place, and it was packed. I mean, crazy crowded. And there was two girls sat down there beside us, and all of a sudden he had just decided, this girl's going to know Jesus. He starts right away. Well, do you know about creation? Do you know about Adam and Eve? Did you know that we died and we're sinners because of what Eve did and what Adam did? Let me tell you about this. And he just, as fast as I'm talking now, even faster. And what he didn't hear and what I heard because I was actually listening while he was just trying to get his points out was this girl was already a Christian. <laughs> she knew the Lord, went to church, but he was so intense like, I've got to do this, that he missed the leading of the Spirit. Hello? And that's kind of how some of us were so nervous when we're trying to witness. We can't even hear what the other person's saying, can we? We've got our agenda, our plan. Okay, here we go. And I'm sure if I was actually a warrior in battle, I would be the first one dead. <laughs> I'd be the guy like with the sword. Here we go. Ah! I'd be the, I would be the scout that died right away, right? Because I would go in my flesh. We do that sometimes in our own lives, don't we? We just like, ah, oh, I'm jumping in. But no, 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 that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about when we fight, we've got to follow the Lord's leading. And here the people decided they would fight without the Lord's presence, okay? So again, we've got to learn to follow in the Spirit. Verse 41, Moses said, why are you disobeying the Lord's command? This will not succeed. Moses tells him. Verse 42, do not go up because the Lord is not what? He is not with you. You'll be defeated by your enemies. For the Amalekites and the Canaanites will face you there. Because you have turned away from the Lord, he will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. Today, it's not enough just to say, I'm sorry. We must have the Lord's presence, and this is so true for our church. It is not enough just to be humble and to repent. It is not enough just to want good things. And hear me, please hear me today. It is not ever enough to name it and claim it. That seems to be a common doctrine sometimes. That's what these people were doing. Well, we'll just claim it. We'll claim the victory. We'll claim the battle. We messed up, but we're going to claim it. And Moses says, God isn't with you. The time you claim it is when the Lord tells you you claim it, not when you decide on your own heart to make it happen. We must have the Lord's presence. He must direct our paths. And this is the real fight. Hear this out today. The real fight is not just being loud or being aggressive but fighting to live a righteous life that we might really be able to keep in step with God's Spirit. Did you catch that? Let me read it again. 
The real fight is not just being loud or aggressive, but fighting to live a righteous life that we might really be able to keep in step with God's Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, you guys know this passage. It's the fruit of the Spirit right after that. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh which its passions and its desires. Look at verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If my buddy had been keeping in step with the Spirit that day, he would have slowed his conversation down and he would have listened to that girl and found out where she was at in her faith. Right? If the people here had kept in step with the Spirit, they would have repented of their sins. And when Moses said, no, you can't do this. I admire your passion, but God isn't with you. They would have said, okay, we're going to wait on the Lord for his presence. You guys, I don't know what the Lord has challenged you about today and where you need to step out in faith, but you need to make sure that his presence is going before you before you jump in. Make sure we keep in step with the Spirit. So finally, verse 44, you guys know what happened. Nevertheless, in their presumption, the people, they went up toward the highest point in the hill country, though neither Moses nor the Ark of the Lord's Covenant moved from the camp. What was the Ark of the Covenant a symbol of? Actually, literally, it was God's presence. Moses and God's presence stayed in the camp, and the people decided to go fight without their leadership and without God's presence. And what happened? Verse 45, Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who lived in the hill country came down, and they attacked them, and they beat them down all the way to Hormah. God's presence didn't go with them, and they lost. All right, where are you at today? Do you have promises that the Lord is challenging you about? and all you see are problems? (laughs) Or maybe you've messed up in some places and you've repented of that and now you're like, I'm going to go conquer it in Jesus' name. And Jesus is saying, I didn't tell you to do that. (laughs) Hang on and wait for me. Right? That's the whole trick here today. Sometimes there's a time to go fight. There's a time to jump in. And sometimes there's a time to make sure we're waiting on the Lord's direction. And the only way to know the difference is to be righteous. And that's where the real fight is. And that fight is starting today, and it's going to happen tomorrow morning. The fight's going to happen tomorrow morning. Oh, I got up 20 minutes late. I can't start this devotion. Maybe I'll do it Tuesday. Right? Oh, I, that would be really good, but I, I really, I've been wanting to see this for a while, so I'm going to watch this show. Maybe if after the show, I'll have time to knock it out. Right? Oh. Yeah, I know I have to take a little time in prayer, but i got to go meet with my friends over here, and I'm so tired. I just need to sleep. (laughs) Isn't it interesting how it's those little bitty things that are keeping us from really engaging in the battle the way the Lord would have us to? Let me close with this one illustration. This is so good. If you'll listen, the Lord will really encourage you about looking and picking opportunities to serve God. Hannah Hernard, author of Heinz Feed on High Places. Some of you may have read this book. It's a really popular Christian book. She was once paralyzed by her fear, and she heard a sermon about scarecrows that challenged her to turn her fear into faith. Now listen, read this. This is good. The preacher said, A wise bird knows that a scarecrow is simply an ad, an advertisement. Have you thought about this? This is really good. A scarecrow announces that some very juicy and delicious fruit is to be had for the picking. There are scarecrows in all the best gardens. Hmm. If I am wise, I too shall treat the scarecrow as though it were an invitation. 
Every giant in the way, which makes me feel like a grasshopper, is only a scarecrow beckoning me to God's richest blessings. The preacher concluded, faith is a bird which loves to perch on scarecrows. All of our fears are groundless. (laughs) Who should we fear? God and him alone and no one else. It very well could be that the scarecrows that you're seeing, the giants that you're seeing, the problems that you're seeing, all they are are advertisements that God is about to do something amazing if you'll be willing to step out in faith and trust him. Isn't that good? Guys, let's stand this morning. I appreciate your attention so much today. And we want to make sure that we are really stepping with the Holy Spirit. Again, I want to encourage you today on a very personal level. Let's start there this morning. Do you know Jesus? Have you repented of your sins? Have you trusted him as your Savior? Has there been a demonstrable change in your heart ever in your life? If there hasn't, today is a great day. Come and pray, and you can repent of your sins, and you can be transformed. All right? In your own soul, are you troubled, and you're weary, and you're afraid? God's trying to speak to you today, encourage you. In your family, maybe with your spouse, maybe with your children, maybe with extended family, Are you the one that's kind of getting in the way of God doing great things? And will you step out in faith? In our church today, would you pray for our church? Pray especially for your preacher and for the leadership of our church that we won't be afraid of anything. And if God says this is what he wants us to do, that we won't worry about resources or efforts or people, but we will do exactly what he says. And then even today for our nation, would you pray for our country that God would call Christians to step out in faith and not be afraid and to honor him with a righteous life. All right, Let's take just a little time today. I'm going to play at the piano and I would encourage you to pray. If you want to come to the altar today and pray, please come. If you want to bring a friend, please come. But we just want to have a good time today of seeking the Lord and inviting him to step out in faith and not in fear.